1: Young minister took his first church, little country church. And uh, his first week out there, he didn't know his way around very well, but a funeral home called, said, can you come do us graveside service? He said, I'd love to help the family out. There won't be very many people there, but if you would, you could come, show up at such a time. Gave him a map on how to find this little cemetery out in the country. Well, the pastor got lost, couldn't find it. He showed up really, really late. And when he finally got to where it was, he thought it was, He saw a backhoe there, a couple of workers sitting underneath the tree and a fresh mound of dirt. So he pulled his car up. Nobody else was there. But he thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do my job anyway. So he preached a message. He preached about the gospel. He preached about heaven. He talked about Jesus. He went 30 minutes, 45, and a whole hour. After the hour was over, he prayed. After he prayed, he went over to the two workers, shook their hand, and thanked them for coming. Got in his car and left. Well, as he was driving off, one of the workers was heard saying to the other worker, you know, I've never heard or seen anything like that in all my 22 years of burying septic tanks. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever got something wrong? I mean, really wrong. You thought you were so right, but yet you were so way off. Is it possible that you've done the same thing when it comes to your identity in God, that you have heard words spoken over you, you've listened to everybody else to find you to the point where you are now way off, way off? Well, obviously and very sadly, many people in Grand Junction have done that because take a look at this Daily Sentinel headline article. It said back in April, this came out in April uh, 2017, keep rolling it, 48 suicides since so a record in Mesa County, hadn't had that many people commit suicide, look at this, the rate of self-inflicted deaths nearly here in Mesa County, two and a half times out of the United States. Two and a half times that of the United States. So can I say something's wrong? For that many people to injure themselves, for that many people to take their own lives, they're missing something. They're missing who they really are in Christ. Well, I love our church family and I love the fact we've been around here a long time and I love the fact that many of you have been here a long time because I like doing life with you. And for the many, many years we've had the opportunity to do life together. We go through the highs and the lows together, the celebrations. We go through the uh, times of grieving together as well. We've done a lot of it together. We've learned a lot from each other. And there's no question that the people in this room, and I know you, you work very hard. You face all kinds of challenges, physical challenges, emotional challenges, relational challenges, and in this day and age, you face work and income challenges, and you face those challenges against all kinds of competition, and most of that competition is not trying to play fair, and they're not trying to be ethical. We get it. I get it. And you would think that the older we get, the smarter we would get, and the challenges would get easier, wouldn't you? I mean, if we're going to get more experience under our belt, surely we're going to be able to handle this better than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. But the problem with that is with uh, every new level brings new devils. And so the challenges get harder as you get older. Well, if this is going to be the case, then I've got to know something. i got to know who I am. I got to know who I am from the one who created me, not from you, not from anyone else speaking into my life. i got to know, am I built for this? Am I built to last? Do I have in me what it's going to take to be able to take on this next challenge and this next heartbreak and be able to come out of it a winner on the other side? Well, that's why we've got to know, who are you? Who are you? Well, in the Bible, before we were ever called Christians, God simply separated all of us on the planet in two different categories. You are either a believer or you're an unbeliever. And in doing so, he had many things he had to say about believers. And he had many things he would say about unbelievers. In the dictionary, if you are an unbeliever, then you are a skeptic. You're agnostic, you're an atheist, or you are what is called a free thinker. Now, there's a free thinker group right here in Grand Junction, and they are very proud of themselves, and they are very vocal when it comes to school, when it comes to different things that are happening in the valley. They show up, they protest about everything. You'll see them written up in the paper, and they call themselves free thinkers. But isn't it interesting that according to God's word, that their thinking is exactly the way the devil wants them to think, and they are not free At all. And then if you are a non believer, God says you're going to have a miserable life. You're going to have a sad life. You're not going to have any hope for eternity whatsoever. You're going to pretty much be miserable. Now, you don't have to stay that way. This very day or next Sunday or any time during this week, you can trust Christ as your personal Savior. Jump over to the believer side. Now, if you are a believer, As a believer, God opens up all of his promises to your very reality. The only thing that matters is what he says about you. And what he says about you breaks every word curse or every definition or every name that has been spoken over you your entire life. So if you are a believer, identify yourself for me right now. Would you please just put your hands together? Identify yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So if you are a believer, then what do believers believe? Well, we believe this, Job chapter 10, verse 8. You formed me with your hands, Job said. You made me, talking to God. Remember that you made me from dust, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb, you clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and my sinews, sinews meaning tendons, which means, it refers to strength, power, and resilience, you put all that together in me, you gave me life and showed me your unfailing love, my life was preserved because of your care. You're a believer, you believe. Psalms 139, you made all of my delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious, precious are your thoughts about me, oh God, they cannot be numbered. Now what can't be numbered? Come on, talk to me. His thoughts, about what? About you. Now I'm a grandparent and I can tell you exactly how many times a day I think about my grandkids. How many grandparents? Okay, Me, I think about them hmm, 10 to 15 times a day. I I think about my grown kids a whole lot less than that, but my my grandkids take top shelf for me. And I also pray for my entire family four to five times a day. I call every one of them by name four to five times a day every day. I know that. But think about this. Your heavenly father says that his thoughts about you cannot be numbered. Now, notice what he goes on to say. He says, he says, I can't even count them. They outnumbered what? The grains of sand? Are you kidding me? And when I wake up, You're still with me. So believers, believe that. So if I'm waking up in the morning and I know my Heavenly Father's been thinking about me all night long, and when I wake up, he is right there. He's the first one that I'm going to talk to. Good morning, Father. I love you. And since you've been thinking about me all night long, I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to tell you the things that I want. I'm going to tell you the things that I need. I'm going to tell you what's been bothering me. I'm going to tell you what I think, what I hope would happen at work today. And I'm going to do this entire day with you. Man, when we believe that God made me and you so perfectly, that he cares about us so much, and we are a big deal to him, there is no way in the world we would want to cut our life off short for any reason whatsoever. Now, the Apostle Paul, who lived an incredible life and done a lot of cool things for God, the Apostle Paul had this dilemma and the dilemma was would it be better if I were to go home, let this life be cut short, and be in heaven? Or would it be better if I were to go ahead and stay here? Now, think about it. The Apostle Paul's facing a dilemma. He's in a prison in Philippi. His situation in life is far worse than what you or I will ever imagine or ever experience in this lifetime. And he's facing this dilemma should I stay? where should I go? Philippians chapter 1 says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ. Dying, well, dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I Really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But, but, for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive. Everybody repeat after me. I choose to live. Come on, better than that. I choose to live. And guys, if you are going to live, And you really, really understand who you are in God and how much he loves you and what an incredible special person you are, you're going to take risk, you're going to live it to the full, you're not going to play it safe, you're not going to lay back because your heart's been broken in the past. If you truly understand your identity in God, you are going to live like you have never lived before. And the only reason you haven't so far is because you're believing what everyone else has said about you. Then your creator, heavenly father, God. Man, the apostle Paul said, I choose to live. Now, he was there at that moment, chained to a guard in a nasty Philippian jail. No running water, no plumbing. Think about that, and no electricity. And if he wanted to take himself out, he could. All he would have had to do is grab hold of one of those guards, get him in a headlock, and give him a wedgie. If he'd have done that, that guard would have took him out. But he decided not to. Now Hebrews chapter four says this: So then, since we have a great High Priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same testings we do, and he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find his grace. Blessings that we don't really deserve. We will find his grace to help us when we really need it. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Take a look at the side screen. If God had an iPhone, you'd be in his favorites. Man, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I pocket dial. That's a nicer way of saying it. I pocket dial a lot of people throughout the day. And when I do this, it's frustrating and aggravating to them because I'll pocket dial several staff members on a daily basis. I will pocket dial Many of my family members on a a regular basis don't I, don't I? And I know it can be frustrating to them because they're in school or they're here or they're there doing all kinds of different things. But if you really think about it, if I pocket dial you, that's really a compliment. Because you know what it means? It, It means you're my favorites. It means you're my favorites. And the Bible says that God is constantly thinking about us. So who are you? If you are a believer and you said that you were, then the thing you need to most understand about your heavenly father is that he will continue to test in order to strengthen your belief in him. Let me say it again. If you are a believer, he is going to test your belief in him in order to strengthen your belief in Him. And if you pass the test, He's gonna take you to a new level. And then He's gonna give you another test. And if you pass that, He'll take you to a new level because your Heavenly Father is all about this relationship of belief, this relationship of faith, right? So you say, and I'm gonna tell you this sometimes some of the tests that He gives you are crazy stuff where you're gonna think, God, Are you just messing with me? And you know what? He kind of is. Let me show you all the way back to Exodus chapter 4. The Bible says Moses answered. Now, God had told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to get all of my children. I want you to bring them out of Egypt. You're the man. And Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? So right here, very early on, if the people don't believe, it's going to be bad. If they do believe, it's going to be good. Right? You see, if they don't believe... It's going to be bad. If they do believe, it'll be good. But what if they don't believe me or listen to me or say, the Lord did appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, and by the way, God never addressed his question about unbelief. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. And the Lord said, throw it to the ground. So Moses threw it to the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe. God, from the very beginning of times, had been doing things and showing us things so that we might believe. The very things that he does, the very changes that he makes, the things that we see, that we touch, that we feel, that we hear, that we smell. Are all there that we might believe in God? And yet, many people still do not. He said, I've done these things so that they may believe, the Lord said, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, here's your teaching point. Teaching point number one, and this may be all I get to today. Stop running and take hold of it. When it comes to your life as a child of God, listen, you got to stop running from one thing. Because if you run from one thing, you're going to keep running from everything. Face what you need to face. Deal with what you need to deal with. Your God made you to handle it. So suck it up, buttercup, and deal with it. uh, I'm so glad that my God is a a heavenly father. I'm so glad that my God is a God that... uh, doesn't, doesn't baby me. Because you know what I don't need as a man? I don't need, I don't need to be babied. I don't. Now, I know us men love to have our wives baby us when we are sick. And I'm going to tell you something. When I'm sick, I do turn into a big old baby. I want, I want her to do everything for me. I'm a high maintenance sick husband. If I'm sick, ooh, nobody's been sick like me. But when it comes to my heavenly father, my heavenly father does not baby me. Now, I had a mom, and she's 87, and she's doing really good, and I love her very much. Now, my mother babied me the whole year, time I was growing up. With my mother, if I didn't want to do anything, she would say, oh, son, oh, sweetheart, you don't have to do that. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. It's okay, mom, I'll do it for you. Now, my dad did not do that. My dad said, son, I, I believe you started that. Did you not start that? Yes, sir. Then you finished that, but it's hard. I don't care how hard it is. You put your hands on it, you start it, and you finish it. That's how it's gonna go. But dad, I don't want to do it. Doesn't matter if you don't want to do it. Finish it. I'm right here, I'll help you. You know how to do it. You can do it. Do it. Now my mom was like Beverly Goldberg on the Goldbergs. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you understand what I'm saying when I say, Oh my gosh, my mother, my mother was just like that, but my dad was something else. Now, now my heavenly father, my heavenly father is a father to me. Moses. Moses ran from the snake. Do you understand what I'm saying? He ran from it. So God knew that he was afraid of it. And God said, Pick it up. Oh, Lord, check, please. Did you not, did you not see me running a minute ago? Yeah, I saw you running from it. But God said, But I did not give you that spirit. I didn't give you the spirit of fear, I gave you the spirit of power, love. And a sound mind, pick it up. About 15 to 18 years ago, I had a challenge face me that, uh, man, it was one of those kinds that just about took me out. And I went over to the World Prayer Center, and I got down on the floor. And I'm going to tell you, I don't mind mind telling you, I cried like a baby. 18 years ago, I think it was. I got in the World Prayer Center, I got on the floor, and I cried till I fell asleep. Over, just looking out of the windows, you can see Pike's Peak. It's a beautiful place. And I went to sleep, I woke up, tears, wet, went back to sleep, woke up again. And I'm talking to God about stuff. And when I was talking to God about it, this this is what I heard God say. I heard God, I did not hear God say, oh, that's okay. If you don't want to face this challenge, you don't have to face it. I know it's too big for you. I know you can't do it. No, God didn't say that because he's a father. He's not a Beverly Goldberg mother. And my father said to me this statement, get up. What? Get up. That's what he said. Eighteen years later, there has never been another challenge that has put me in the floor. Not one time. And I'm not saying I haven't grieved like everybody else grieves, but I have never been in the floor one time after that day. And you know why? Because God gave me a nickname that day. I remember talking to him and complaining about this and complaining about that, and God spoke a nickname into my life that day. You know what I did? I went to the mall right there in Colorado Springs, straight from the World Prayer Center. I went to one of those engraving stores. I had it engraved on a coffee mug that sits on my desk to this day. I had it engraved into a uh, set of dog tags that hangs from my rearview mirror of my truck to this day. He gave me a nickname, and forever that nickname will ever speak to me when other words and other things are seen the eye. Opposite. Do you remember what Jesus said to James and John's, the sons of Zebedee? Do you remember what he said? He said, "You guys have been called the sons of Zebedee. You will now be called the sons of thunder." And James and John are like, "Whoa, sons of, sons of thunder, baby! The thunder brothers, baby!" And you know what happened the very next thing? They went into a city, and Jesus said, go in there and make us a reservation. They go into the city to make a reservation. And as they go into that city, the people in the town turned them out. Said, no, no, Jesus can't stay here, and neither can you. And so James and John went back to Jesus and said, oh, they're not going to have you stay in the city. Ooh, we're going to rain down some thunder on them. We'll kill everybody in the whole town. And Jesus says, settle down, boys. <laughs> settle down. We'll just go to the next town. And they're like, yeah, the Thunder Brothers, though, baby. We were ready. You want us to do it? No, no, you were fine. Who are you? Who are you? Can I, can I tell you that I understand the challenges you face? I understand that there are sometimes thoughts that wouldn't it be better to be in heaven than it would be to be in this situation right now. I Get it that you've been there. But can I also remind you of who you are and why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing and how much is in you that you don't even realize it is in you until you stop running and do what your heavenly father tells you to do. Pick it up, buttercup. You say, well, what are we talking about? Well, how about that? I don't know if it's a rattlesnake or not. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but does it really matter? Pick it up. And then God says, pick it up by the tail. Okay, take the picture off. Pick it up by the tail? What, God, you're going to tell me what to do? Okay. Now you're going to tell me how to do it? Wait a second. You're going to tell me what to do? Okay. All right, I'm afraid of it, but if I get to do it my way, I'm going to pin its head down with a stick. I'm going to reach over. I'm going to step on it with a foot. I'm going to grab it behind the neck. I'm going to control it. There you go. There you go, Lord. And God says, no, pick it up at a place where it is totally out of your control. Uh Uh-oh. Now we need to negotiate. Father, you already know I'm afraid of it, and you're telling me not just to do it but how to do it. That's right. I want you to tithe. I want you to give the first 10%. Well, I'll give you what's left over. That's not what I said. Watch me flip back over to this. Watch this. Lord, you change it, and then I'll pick it up. You make it a stick again, then I'll pick it up. I mean, come on. And God says, you pick it up, and I'll change it. No, no, wait a second, Father. You change it first, and then I'll pick it up. And God says, you pick it up, and then I'll change it. It will change in your hand. Why? Because God knows he created you to be just like him. To speak to it and to lay your hands on it in order for it to change. Oh. Some of you, most of you, have not yet lived your greatest life because you're still waiting for God to do something first. And then you'll do your thing. And your Heavenly Father is saying, no, 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 no. You put your hands on it first. And then I'll change it. God, I want a better job. I'm just holding out for a better job. Put your hands on the job I've already given you, an incredible way to represent me, and then I'll give you a better job or make that one better. No, you change it, and then I'll... No, no, no. You first. You first. You first. You first. You first. Who do you think is going to win that? So now what we have is a standoff. God... You change it, and then I'll take hold of it. And God says, no, I know how I made you, and I know you're afraid, and I know you've been hurt. So, you take hold of it, and then I'll change it. Sounds like a standoff, doesn't it? Well, you'll find out who wins next week. I love y'all. Bye-bye. Have a great day. That's all we got time for.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.